help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. Now, I'm an Elvis and a Rolling Stones guy. And a lot of times people say, hey, you're either an Elvis guy or a Beatles guy. You're either a Stones guy or a Beatles guy. And I'm a Stones guy and an Elvis guy probably because they both are very heavy into blues in their background. Um, not a huge Beatles fan, just to be honest. But I couldn't help myself this morning because today uh, I'm going to talk to you about the helper. The helper that has been given to us. I'm going to talk about what he does. So turning your Bibles or your Bible apps to John chapter 14, but be ready to quickly move to chapter 15 and then chapter 16. And we're going to camp in chapter 16. So I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to drink water while you turn to John 14. By the way, these, these Impact Rock pint glasses, um, these are part of our gift bags. So when we can meet at church again, we have one of these waiting for you in, in, our, in our gift bags for all of our guests. So you should come and get a pint glass. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. He continues in verse 15. So we're still in John 14, verse 15 now. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He says another helper because Jesus was a helper, and now he's talking about the Father is going to give another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Don't you love it when Jesus uses two different verb tenses when talking about the same subject, the same person? Here, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, you know him because he dwells with you now. And then he will be in you in a little bit, in a later time. My point to you in this, in saying this is this. Always, always give room for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Always give room to receive more of the Holy Spirit and what, what God has for us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 It's still in John 14. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Boy, what an amazing claim. And will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, we're going to jump now to, to John 15. We've been in 14. Let's move a chapter, and we're going to read verse 26. So John 15, 26. You there? All right. Verse 26. 
But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So already we're seeing things about the helper. We're seeing things that that he does in ways that he teaches and guides, that he bears witness. Jump forward now to John 16, and we're going to be in John 16 for a while. So you can camp there, um, and we're going to read verses 5 through 7 to start. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So this word helper is the Greek word. I've always called it parakletos, probably because it sounds a lot like parakeet, and that helped me remember it when I was younger. But um, I think that the the correct pronunciation is parakletos. You know, that was more like, you know, Spanish than Greek. But, you know, they're similar. Um, Helper, parakletos. And this word is used five times in the Bible. We just read four of those times. So that word is translated as this, called to one side. Especially called to one's aid. That word we, we translate as helper. And that word is used specifically and exclusively by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit and what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Well, we have a limited time today, so I can't unpack any more than what I'm going to do today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about one specific facet of the Holy Spirit and one specific aspect of his ministry, and that one aspect will be broken into three actions, okay? So the facet that we will discuss is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And the aspect of the helper that we will discuss today is conviction. So stay in John 16, and let's look at the very next verse, verse 8. And when he, the helper, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Convict. What does this word even mean? It's very important that we know the meaning of this word. I can't stress this enough. In fact, I'm going to be redundant. At the end of this message, there's going to be a couple key points that you're going to grab a hold of, and the meaning of conviction is going to be one of them. It's that important. So in our world, this word might evoke thoughts of a, a criminal prosecution. You stand accused. No, you stand convicted of capital sin and a blatant disregard for righteousness. And because of that, I judge you forever. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I think it was like a Boston guy from the South or something there. I don't really claim to do accents, but 
that's my, what, what we think of is some legal proceeding where in the end the book is thrown at us. We're made to feel really bad about ourselves. Therefore, we've been convicted. That is not what convict means in this context. The word convict has several meanings. And, and the Lord asks us to, to look at the context to, you know, in his word and see how it's applied. So in the New Testament, we see this word used six times when used for uh, meaning to reprove or to reprimand. We see this word used five times when meaning to rebuke. And rebuke means to express disapproval or criticism. We see this word used four times in the New Testament when meaning convince. I mean, you see it one time in the New Testament when meaning to tell one's fault. In this scripture, convict means convince. Convince is to provide belief or or provide persuasion. In this context, convict means convince, and you will see why this is so important that we get this right, and why it's so why, why it's so important that if you got it wrong at some point, if you had someone teach you that it meant to really make you feel bad and to point out all the things you were doing, it's important that we make a change in our thinking and see why that's not what this word means. Now remember, the Holy Spirit has been raved about by Jesus. And four times Jesus has used this word in setting the stage. This is our introduction to the Holy Spirit. He hadn't even made it to the scene yet. Jesus is setting the stage. He's introducing and he's called him a helper. He's a helper. He's a helper. He's a helper four times. You see, Jesus raved about the Father. Raved about the Father. Did nothing except what he saw the Father doing did nothing except what the Father commanded him. So now Jesus is getting ready to go away. He knows what's coming up. He knows he's going to be betrayed and arrested and beaten and crucified, murdered, and that he's going to defeat death and he's going to resurrect and rise from the grave. He knows all this. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come. So now he starts raving about the Holy Spirit. And what you see on things that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit raves about Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds you about Jesus. So I want you to know as a follower of Christ, God is not insecure. You can rave about the Father if you want. He's a good, good Father. We sing about it. You can rave about Jesus if you want because the Bible tells us that is the only name by which we can be saved. And that God gave, the Father gave Jesus the name above all names. And we can rave about the Holy Spirit because he is here and he helps and comforts and strengthens and empowers. I want to encourage you guys with this. If you're a believer and you're a follower of Christ and when you're talking about God, the the main word you use is God, can I encourage you to do something? Can you change that? Can you change that to Jesus? And here's why. Uh, This lamp right here, for some, this might be God. So when you're talking about God, they're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about lamp. You know, for others, you know, you you could be talking about um, God and they're like, oh, nature. Nature is God, mother nature. And so you're like, oh, you know, oh, I love God. God's awesome. This is God. When we talk about God, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the name that is above all names. So that's just my encouragement. I hear a lot of people talk about God, and, and I, I talk about Jesus. And I think we, I think we should talk about Jesus.
So let me ask you a question, keeping in mind that the Holy Spirit is our helper. If you are a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, how did that happen? How did that happen? You want to know how it happened? You want to know how you believed that Jesus truly forgave you for all your sins? That Jesus truly, completely forgave you for all the jacked up things you did? That you could never do enough good to balance the bad? You want to know how you truly believe that? The answer is this. The Holy Spirit convinced you of it. The Holy Spirit convinced you that our God is a good God, that the Father is loving, and that his arms are open for you, that Jesus paid the price for every one of your sins. The Holy Spirit convinced you of this. He moved the lies of the enemy aside in your heart so that belief could arise and you could believe in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict the people of the world. And and whenever the world is used, when he says he will convict the world, he's not talking about the planet or the earth or the terra. He's talking about people. He will convince people, convict people of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. In leading up to what Jesus wants to say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, again, four times, Jesus calls him the helper in leading up to this. A helper. All right, so if I'm just being honest, sharing Jesus, it can be hard. It's usually hard. Sharing people with you, sharing people Jesus with people whom you love and who you desperately want to see them saved and healed and come to know Christ, it it can be hard, real hard. Wouldn't it be great to have some help with this? I mean, wouldn't it make our our efforts so much more successful if, I don't know, if we had a helper, if we had help? in doing this. Wouldn't it be amazing if part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit was convincing our loved ones about Jesus so that we don't feel the weight of having to convince? Are you kidding me? That'd be a a game changer, right? Well, we don't have to wish for this and we don't have to pray for this. And we don't even have to ask the Holy Spirit to do this. This is what he does. This is part of his nature. This is part of his ministry. This is a vital part of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convince others of Jesus so that they might believe. I I say it all the time. If I can talk you into something, someone else can talk you out of it. But if the Holy Spirit convinces you, There's something deep about it. There's something with staying power and strength about it because it's the work of God. It's the work of God in your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. I 
I still get amazed. There's several things in scripture that amaze me. And one of the things that amazes me is Jesus saying, it's better that I go away. And because Jesus, I mean, he's the end all be all. I mean, Jesus, Jesus. And, and there he's raving going, it's better that I go away. So with this in mind, listen to this passage that I read. I'm going to read it once again. We're still in John 16. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. I'm going to read those two together so that you see the context. Context matters. So I want to read this. John 16, 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. By the way, totally not necessary for Jesus to say, I tell you the truth. He always speaks the truth. So when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, what he's wanting is for us to really perk up and listen. He always tells the truth, but he's really driving this point home. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So can we just come to agreement on something? Can we come to agreement that Jesus thinks it's better for the sake of the entire world that he goes away so that the Holy Spirit can convince the world of him, can convince the world of Jesus, right? Makes perfect sense, right? So let me ask this. I'm just, I'm tell, I told you I was going to be redundant. I, I already warned you. So does this make sense? Jesus saying, hey, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come and he will reprimand you and rebuke you and show criticism and disapproval of everyone and tell the entire world what they've done wrong. Those are the other definitions of convict. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. God gave us this beautiful thing called a brain. Most of you have hair covering that outer layer and then skin. And there's a brain in there that's brilliant. And God wants us to use this brain. And when there's multiple meanings of a word, we look in scripture and we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we say, this is what he means. And I'm telling you right now with 100% certainty, convict means convince. Man, can you imagine the disciples pleading with Jesus if it meant the other words? Jesus, don't go away. Don't go away. I know I stink. I know I'm horrible. I know of every time I blow it and I feel bad every time I don't need a helper to help me already feel bad. What we do, here's what we need. We, we need a, a helper to convince us of God's love, yeah. of our right standing with God yeah. and that the enemy has no authority over us. Jesus names three areas where the Holy Spirit will convince people. And those three areas are of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Verse 9, still in John 16. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will know, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus unpacks it. 
So let's, let's look at those one at a time. Let's unpack those one at a time. The Holy Spirit will convince concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Friends, when the Holy Spirit convinces lost people of sin, and, and if we don't know Jesus' love and we don't have his light, we're lost. When the Holy Spirit convinces lost people of sin, they will see that sin is ruling their lives. They will see that sin is ruling their decisions. We'll see that sin has dominion over their thoughts and their actions and their emotions. This convincing of the Holy Spirit is the only way that people become aware that they need the Savior. See, we're a needy people. We just don't like to admit when we have need. I'm guilty of it. I'm totally guilty of it. I, I'm, I, I stink at it. We need not just a Savior. We need the Savior, Jesus. No one ever comes to Jesus as Savior until they are convinced that they need the Savior. And this is the Holy Spirit's job. Isn't that wonderful? Friends, most people won't be saved at church. Did you know that? Most people won't be saved at church. Most people will be saved at the influence and the love and the care of a friend, of a friend pointing them to Jesus. And I think here's why, because friends are trustworthy. Friends, you can trust a friend. And they're gonna point you, we point people to Jesus and then we trust the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. We don't have to manipulate, we don't have to browbeat, we don't have to pressure. We let the Holy Spirit do his job because he, he crushes it. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this. This is the second part of that verse. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. No one can be saved except by the convincing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, number two, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness. So it's probably a pretty good idea that we understand what righteousness means, right? If the Holy Spirit's gonna convict us of righteousness, we should know what it means. Fair enough? Fair enough. Righteousness does not mean good behavior. Now, it's good to have good, strong, moral behavior and standards and character. It's, it's good as an understatement, Right? but this isn't righteousness. Righteousness means to have right standing with God. And this scripture that we just read does not mean that the Holy Spirit will convict us of the need to have right living. That's not what he means. It says he will convince us of what it means that we have right standing with God because of the work, the completed work of Jesus Christ. You guys, being in right standing with God, it will lead to righteous living. Being in right standing with God will lead to righteous living. But this is not the message that Jesus is trying to get across in this passage. Jesus tells us very clearly in his word 
that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He tells us where he is. He ascended. He went away. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He said it's finished. He left nothing to chance. That's why he's seated. Because the work of the cross was completed. It is finished. And our sin has been paid for with the obedient sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit can convict and convince us of right standing with God, of righteousness, because Jesus completed the work and then went away to the Father. That's why Jesus has such joy in going away. He's like, by the time I leave, it's all going to be done. And then the Holy Spirit is going to remind people of what I did. The Holy Spirit is going to be everywhere at every time. And he's going to, be, and he's going to point people to me. It's better that I go away. Let's read Hebrews 10. We're going to read 8 through 14. So um, I'll give you guys a second to turn to it. Hebrews 10, 8 through 14. All right, I think I've given you enough time. Let's go. When he said above that you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. When Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of righteousness, he's referring to this fact. We all need to be convinced that it's even possible to have right standing with God. Some people don't even think they can have right standing with God. The lie of their sin and the lie of shame is so heavy that they don't even realize that it's possible much less that the price has already been paid. Jesus has already paid that price. That's what, when we believe, we come into right standing with God. We don't go and we, we don't clean ourselves up. We don't make ourselves presentable. We don't bring our Sunday best to him. We come just as we are dirty and, and raggedy and, and in need. And when we believe, we are made in right standing by the completed work of Jesus Christ, not the completed work of Joe if Joe is out there, or the completed work of Nancy, if Nancy's out there. It's not by your completed work. It's by the completed work of Jesus Christ. Righteousness exists through Jesus, not through proper Christian behavior. Even past the time of our salvation, the Holy Spirit continues to convince us it's not just a one-time thing. He gives us this inner confidence that, that 
we're walking with him, that we're forgiven, that God's grace is abundance. He, the Holy Spirit gives us this blessed assurance that Jesus is mine, that we are now the righteousness of God through the completed work of Jesus. When I was a kid, and I, I thought like a kid and I acted like a kid and I understood like a kid. I, I didn't understand the grace of God because every week at church, I, I would think I needed to rededicate my life to the Lord because during the week I would do something bad. I would steal or I would cuss or I would shoot someone the bird or I would whatever. I'd steal something. And I would think, oh my gosh, I need to get saved all over again. See, the Holy Spirit's there with us to give us that assurance saying, hey, you're going to fall. Come on, get back up. Let's get in the race. I'm with you. Jesus has grace for you. He paid the price for you. He knew you were going to fall. He knew you were going to fall. He paid the price for that also, but turn to him, repent of it. Turn around, see that rock? See that thing that caused you to stumble? Okay, you got to turn from that. Turn to Jesus. Next time on this path, Avoid that. I mean, I just simplified the message of repentance. The Holy Spirit is there to remind us. You guys, understanding that we have been made righteous is an amazing gift. Not by our own works. And the helper fully convinces us that we are in right standing with God without any doubt. He convinces us of the completed work of Jesus on our worst days and when it would be easiest to take our eyes off of Christ and onto ourselves. Because of this blessed assurance, do you want to know how we can come to God? Do you want to know how we can come into his presence? We can come confidently. We can come constantly, consistently. We can come received and welcomed and embraced. Finally, the third point, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict or to convince the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. To understand this, we need to know who Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says the ruler of this world, who was he talking about? When Jesus was with his disciples just before being arrested, just before being crucified, he twice referenced Satan as the ruler of this world. Let's read. I'm going to go there. You can go back. John 12, 31 and 32 says this. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And then back to John 14, verse 30 and 31. I will no longer talk with you much for the ruler of this world is coming. And if I can just be honest, I love this, this next part so stinking much. This is phenomenal. I love this. Jesus says, the ruler of the world, talking about Satan, he has no claim on me, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world might know that I love the father rise, let us go from here. Jesus is saying, uh, don't be mistaken and think that, that my death and my crucifixion in any way is the work of Satan. It's not the work of Satan. He doesn't have that kind of power over me. 
I am yielded to my father. I'm obedient to my father and I love my father. And this is what my father has asked. And this is what I, what I joyfully do. I love that part. He has no claim on me. I, I think we need to say that church. Satan, you have no claim on me. Satan has no claim on me. I'm a child of God. Satan was the ruler of this world. And this indeed is who Jesus was talking about. But hear this. Please hear this. Satan was judged 2,000 years ago. He was judged through the obedient sacrifice of Jesus and the absolutely decisive victory over death and hell and the grave. And when Jesus emerged from that grave, the ruler of this world, he was judged and he was defeated. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit convinces us of this truth, of judgment, that the ruler of this world is judged and that he's the one that was found guilty, not you, not me. Satan, and please hear me, church, Satan no longer has any authority in our lives. He's a fugitive. He's running from the law and he's trying to live on his past reputation. He's trying to live on his past bragging points and his title of world ruler. He's a chump. He's a fraud and he's a defeated foe. And that is the truth. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to convince us of this. It can be easy to misinterpret and misunderstand the work of conviction that the Holy Spirit came to do. Maybe you've never heard those three points unpacked like that. And I'm just telling you right now, uh, a lot of scripture can, you know, have different interpretations. I'm just letting you know, I I don't see how those three points can be interpreted any other way. Because see, the Holy Spirit... He's mighty. And when Jesus raved about him, said, this is what he'll do. It's better that I go away. This is what he'll do. He laid it all out there before us. The Holy Spirit came to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Unfortunately, a lot of people interpret this scripture to mean that the basic message of the Holy Spirit is to tell you that you're a no good bum who needs to be reminded of his shortcomings needs to be reminded that you're flawed and sinful and constantly weak that ain't it that's just not it the devil wants you to believe that God's mad at you that you're a horrible person and guess what The judge is coming and he's going to get you. It's not true. That just doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit at all. In fact, that's Satan's role. That's the role of Satan. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of God's children. So why in the world would would the Holy Spirit do that? He wouldn't. 
That's not, that's not the awesome nature. That's not the awesome ministry of the Holy Spirit at all. But I will say this. Friends, if you'll let him, please hear me. Please, please set your focus on me. If you'll let him, the Holy Spirit will keep making you feel unworthy. He'll keep making you feel like you don't measure up. He'll, he'll keep making you feel like you're unclean and that it's all on you to clean yourself up. If you let him, Satan will convince you that you're unworthy of God's love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. Don't let Satan lie to you anymore. Don't let Satan lie. Instead, let the Holy Spirit convince. What is the state of our, the truth of our state of righteousness when we fall? What's, what's the truth in this that the Holy Spirit will remind us of? How about Romans 3, 23 through 24 for starters? It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you, to convince you that you need Jesus, and you do. If you have never trusted in Jesus, you do need Jesus, just like I needed Jesus before I believed in him. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into all truth, not all the crazy truths that are out there that people portray, but into all truth of Jesus Christ. To speak on, on behalf of Jesus Christ. To declare to you things that are going to happen. I love that. Don't you think it's beneficial that we might know some things that are going to happen? The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He interacts with us. And he tells us things that are going to happen so that we can be on guard and prepared and ready for it. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. To take all the power and authority and goodness and forgiveness and acceptance, all good pleasure, all affection, all identity, to take all the goodness of Jesus and the Holy Spirit ministers it to you. He declares it to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 12 and 15 says this. John 16, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus talking, okay? This is still in that last discussion with the disciples before he's to be crucified. I have many things to say. You can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want you to know that the father is so pleased with Jesus. 
The father is so thrilled with Jesus. The father is so proud of Jesus. That belongs to Jesus. And when we find ourselves in him, Jesus says, all that is mine, I give to you. The Holy Spirit's going to take all that's mine and declare it to you. So that good pleasure, that favor, that pride that the Father has in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, guess what? That all gets just poured out upon us. But we've got to trust. We've got to believe. The Holy Spirit was sent to make us aware that we are lost and that we're in need of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent to lead you to Jesus and then to convince that we are in right standing with God, that we're righteous, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And finally, the Holy Spirit was sent to fill us with the conviction that Satan is a defeated enemy And he no longer has any authority over us. And when we open ourselves up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we will see that he will help us in everything that we have need of help in. To walk out this Christian life, we have a helper sent to guide and to help. And he's phenomenal. The Holy Spirit's phenomenal. I rave about the Holy Spirit today. And he's incredible at what he does. And if you will open yourselves up to his ministry, he will empower you in ways that you can walk victorious over every hardship that you face. The Holy Spirit is your helper. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk more about the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to talk more about the Holy Spirit. I'll unpack another facet. I'll unpack another work of his ministry. And we'll talk about the different roles that he plays in our lives. Um, We're going to pray. And I'm going to try and keep it short because I want you to stay locked in. So if everybody could just close your eyes and just don't allow any distractions. And would you just focus on what the Holy Spirit might be speaking and trying to convince you of right now. I'm telling you right now, if you don't know Jesus, would you open the doors of your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to just convince you that Jesus paid, he paid for it all so that you could be with him. That Jesus is greater than your past, he's greater than your sin. that he is the only way. There's not many ways to the Father. There's not. There's not even two ways to the Father. There's not. There's one way. That one way is through Jesus Christ. If you will believe and invite him to come into your life and declare your belief and trust in him, then you will see continued powerful works of the Holy Spirit in your life. So if I'm talking to you right now and you've never declared your trust or belief in Jesus, you've never invited him in, would you just do so right now? Say, Jesus, I'm convinced. I can only have life in you. I can only have hope in you. I can only have peace through you. 
and I believe in you and I repent of my sins. I turn from my past and, and in fact, I just give it all to you. I even give my future to you. I give it all to you because I believe that you'll do so much more with my life than I could ever do because you're good. For folks out there that have allowed the enemy's lies to land in their heart and land in their mind, I just want to remind you. I want to remind you of judgment. Satan's been judged. He's been found guilty and he is defeated. Don't don't let him be an outlaw in your life. Don't let him run rampant and don't believe his lies. In Jesus' name. Amen.